Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, day two of mandatory minicamps is in the books officially, and there's a certain attention to detail that I'm really liking from what I'm seeing. I'll tell you about that, plus a whole lot more coming up on Thursday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, June 8th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders, win. part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Just every win. day. Just win. Welcome in, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it becomes available. And of course, as always, if you're checking us out on YouTube, we appreciate you and we appreciate my man Ari. Does a great job each and every day getting us up on YouTube, making sure we're looking good, sounding good. You can find him on Twitter at Ari Produces. You can check me out on Twitter as well at your boy Q254. You want to get something in on the show, you can do that. And of course, the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line is always wide open like some old school TV antennas, 707-654-4693. As a matter of fact, your calls and texts are coming up in the show in segment number three. Segment number two, going to talk about a little area of attention to detail that's going on with the Raiders as I've been observing mandatory minicamps and, of course, OTAs the last couple of weeks. I'll talk about it. I'll let you know what that is and why I like it. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day. And before I get to that, I do want you to know that today's edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash Lockdown NFL. When you use the promo code Lockdown NFL, it's all one word. They'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. Of course, I'll tell you a lot more about Bird Dogs later on in the show. Matter of fact, after segment number one. But let's go ahead and jump into the news and notes of the day. And as I mentioned, two days of mandatory minicamps is now officially in the books. Today is the final day, and then they'll have another OTA session next week, June 12th through the 15th, with the 15th being the day that the media is allowed to be there, talk to the players, talk to the coaches, and observe practice. I'll tell you right now, I expect that next Thursday they're going to say, yeah, we're going to go ahead and cancel that last OTA. Now, does that mean that they're going to move us up to the 14th? Possibly, but I don't know that to be a fact. But most teams usually cancel that last OTA. They don't really need it. They take it really easy and light. They don't want anybody to get injured out there. So nine times out of ten, most of the uh, teams let those players go on that last OTA session, and then there's nothing until training camp happens. So uh, today is the final day of mandatory minicamp, and then the 12th through the 15th next week will be the final OTA session. We'll see how many of those actually get in, but we were supposed to talk to multiple players after uh, practice on uh, on Wednesday, and uh, Hunter Renfro was not available. He was one of the guys that we were supposed to talk to. We were supposed to talk to offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi, uh, kicker Daniel Carlson, linebacker Robert Spillane, and guard Dylan Parham, and Hunter never happened. Hunter went out to practice. He stretched, and at some point, because I was paying attention to the defense, I was on the defense like really, really tight, which can kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about coming up in segment number two, but back to Hunter Renfro, uh, all of a sudden I looked up and 13 was gone. And I looked over at Vinny. I was like, wait, hold on. Where's 13? We're supposed to talk to him. I don't even see him out here practicing. And of course, the Raiders have a very, very deep wide receiver room. So uh, when people started finding out that Hunter Renfro was not at practice, even though he was at practice and we didn't see him, all of a sudden everyone lost their mind and thought, oh man, he's getting traded. And I've said it a million times. I'll say it a million more. Doesn't mean that it's truth. I don't feel like the the value to trade Hunter Renfro is there. I just don't think. I think he's more valuable to the Raiders this year than any other team in the league. I just think that a healthy Hunter Renfro in Josh McDaniels' offense, knowing what the slot receiver can do, makes all the sense in the world. Again, in 2022, he wasn't healthy. 
So, of course, he didn't know the offense. He didn't get the reps that he needed to get. And I just think he's got to have a year in this system to see what he can do, right? And at least, if not, at least let him play up until the trade deadline. If you just don't think it's going the right way, then go ahead and move on from him, right? But I just, at this stage of the game, I don't see why it would make sense. I don't know who they'd go out there and get. Now, there's guys that they can go get, right? There's, there's players that they could look at and say that'd be a good addition to the team. I just don't see them. They're not glaring to me. It's not like it's just popping off the screen like, oh, man, that's a dude that they need to go get. Yeah, move Hunter Renfro for him. For me, I'm not seeing that right now. Again, that doesn't mean anything, but uh, I just think that it was precautionary. I think that the Raiders wanted to make sure that Hunter was just fine. Again, he was out there stretching. Even Devontae Adams got a little bit banged up. Looked like he tweaked his ankle a little bit, but then uh, he you know, took off his shoe, maybe wrapped it a little bit, got back out there into drills. And so I think that, and I was saying it myself, hey, man, Devontae don't need to be out there. Hey, man, Devontae don't need to be out there. And then he continued to make sure that he was out there putting in the work. So he was fine. Uh, it looked like for the most part, the Raiders were pretty uh, injury-free from what we were able to see. I think Jermaine Illuminor may have uh, tweaked the ankle for a quick second, but he was back out there uh, participating as well. So who knows what's going on with Hunter Renfro. Of course, uh, a lot of people are going to think the worst. I just think that they were being very um, precautionary. Uh, he missed a couple days of practice, I think a couple weeks ago. Not a big deal. He's been out there for the most part. I saw him on Monday and I saw him on Tuesday, but I saw him on Monday when we were doing the Raiders roundtable for Raider content day. He was out there and everything look good communicating with Dave Ziegler and everything so uh, for the most part I believe everything was good now the other players that weren't on the grass participating not saying that they weren't there in attendance but they weren't participating quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo running back Josh Jacobs wide receiver Jacoby Myers tight end Michael Mayer tight end OJ Howard offensive tackle Justin Heron edge Tyree Wilson edge Jordan Willis and linebacker Amari Bernie again the guys are there. They're just not out there uh, participating. And the only guy who's not there is the guys that don't have contracts. And right now, Michael Mayer doesn't have a contract. Uh, Ja'Korian Bennett doesn't have a contract. And he's actually been a guy that's been playing pretty well in OTAs. He looked pretty sticking good out there in OTAs. And then, uh, of course, Josh Jacobs. And we know the story with Josh Jacobs. So that's the latest and the greatest two days of mandatory minicamp in the books. Also, on Wednesday, we found out about preseason times and dates. And it's kind of cool when you get this notice from the NFL. It feels like, man, football's right around the corner. And then we look at the calendar and realize, ah, uh, it's just July. Or it's just June. <laughs> I'm trying to fast track. It's only June. So, uh, yeah, it's not anywhere close to a preseason game. But we did get the preseason times and dates. Of course, uh, the Raiders only have three preseason games this year as opposed to four last year. They played in the Hall of Fame game, so they got the extra one. This year, they only have three. One at Allegiant Stadium and two on the road. The one at Allegiant Stadium is August 13th when they host the 49ers. That's at 4 o'clock Eastern time. On August 19th, they're in SoFi Stadium to take on the Rams. That's at 9 o'clock Eastern time. And then August 26th, they're in Arlington to take on the Cowboys at, at AT&T Stadium. That is 8 o'clock Eastern time. So August 13th, 49ers at home. August 19th, Rams on the road, which is basically a, a home game as well. And then August 26th, 26th at the Dallas Cowboys, Arlington, AT&T Stadium. So there you go. The latest and the greatest when it comes to uh, the practice times, the preseason time and dates, what's going on with uh, Hunter Renfro, how he left practice, the other guys, everyone was out there participating, and practice looked like, as I've mentioned multiple times, it was moving pretty quickly. So uh, that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, kind of news and notes and talking about what was going on at practice. Coming up in segment number two, there is a attention to detail being had at these practices, and I like it. What am I talking about? 
Well, you'll hear about it coming up in segment number two after I tell you about the title sponsor, and that is Bird Dogs. And as I check out the website, I've told you about Bird Dogs before since it is summertime, even though on Wednesday it didn't really feel like summertime here in Las Vegas. It was rainy. It was overcast, which was great being out there at the facility and not sweating your, your backside off. You know, I actually was able to wear pants, but it's summertime. We know it's summertime. I'll go on vacation at the end of the month. I'm going to need some more shorts going back to Hawaii. I'm excited about that. And you know the shorts I'm going to be wearing and rocking? I'm going to be wearing my bird dogs. Why? They've got so many different shorts to choose from. I'm looking at khaki shorts. I'm looking at all kind of, they've got the swim trunks. They've got the liners and they got the liners inside of the shorts. So you don't have to go with the draws. You can go with the very comfortable bird dogs. And again, they've got so many different styles from forest pumps to Teddy rub skins. They've got all kind of great different styles. Uh, man, I just, just look at the website. They've got different colors, different styles of shorts. I'm looking at khaki shorts, gym shorts. Oxford shorts, bathing suits. So when I'm in that beautiful blue water in Hawaii, I can be rocking a bathing suit made by Bird Dogs. And you can as well. All you got to do is go to birddogs.com and check out all the different collections. Not only do they have shorts, but they have pants. If you're looking at the pants, they have the stretch khakis, joggers, sweatpants. They've got a little bit of everything. And they even have my favorite polos as well. I love me some good polos, some nice, comfortable polos. But I'll tell you right now, when I'm in Hawaii, I ain't going to be worried about no polos. But Whatever you want, shorts, pants, polos, they've got it covered, and they got a good hookup for you. You just got to go to the website, and you got to go check it out, birddogs.com slash NFL. Use that promo code. It's all one word. You'll get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. They're very comfortable, and they're very affordable. Again, birddogs.com slash NFL. Get that free Yeti-style tumbler. You're not going to want to take your bird dogs off. I promise. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to talk about something I've been noticing at OTA, something I've been noticing at mandatory minicamps that I like. And it's something that I've been talking about for the longest time. And I don't know if what they're doing right now in practice is going to translate to training camp. I don't know if it's going to translate to the preseason, and I sure as hell don't know if it's going to translate to the regular season. But what they're doing right now is they're having an emphasis. They're having a matter of fact, like a attention to detail, dot the I's, cross the T. They're doing all that when it comes to trying to get their hands on the ball. Something I've been harping about. I've, I've talked about it till I'm blue in the face, and it's tough to make me blue in the face. But I'll tell you right now, it is one of the most frustrating things to see a team like the Raiders not be able to create turnovers and especially come up with interceptions. I mean, you think about the Raiders of old, right? We talk about why people became Raider fans. You think about the old Raider teams. And even as a young dude, I know how, how great some of those Raider secondaries were and some of the great players that played in the Raiders secondary that were ball hawks, guys that were able to come away with turnovers. And it's something I talk about all the time, create uh, turnovers. You have to have a knack for going in the ball. And if you have it, you have it. If you don't, you don't. It's just as simple as that. Sometimes you just got to have it. If you listen to the Raider Roundtable, you heard Dave Ziegler, the GM, talk about having a knack to go get the ball. I asked him about ball production and how important it was. If you heard that conversation, you heard what he said. But Eric Allen, 
the great Eric Allen, 54 career interceptions uh, in his in his storied career, hell of a career, and he did some really good things with the silver and black. He was part of that Raiders roundtable as well on Monday, and he started to tell a story about his old defensive coordinator when he got to the Raiders, Willie Shaw, and his expectations when it came to interceptions. Check this out. I tell this story quite a bit, but no one I don't think really believes me when I say it. I think they're just thinking I'm trying to inflate numbers or whatever I'm trying to do. I don't know, but... This is from Eric Allen himself. Check it out. And just a really quick story. I, I come in and, and I had built a relationship up with the defensive coordinator at the time, who was Willie Shaw. Mm-hmm. Willie Shaw recruited me uh, from San Diego to go to ASU. So Willie and I were really tight. And Willie was a, a really demanding coach. I mean, he, he set the standard at the beginning of the season. Hey, in the backfield, this defense, 21 interceptions, 20, 21 interceptions from day one. That's all we preach. So we knew that there was a kind of a, a, a method and a standard to reach. So there you go. He said Willie Shaw, which is a guy who actually recruited him, is a guy who wanted 20 to 21 interceptions, not turnovers he wanted created, interceptions. I don't think that that's unreasonable. And you're thinking about this. Look, the, the Raiders had six last year. They had six interceptions last year. That's never going to cut it. You want to talk about making this defense better, get your hand on the ball and take it back. And so I say that I'm excited about the attention to detail I'm seeing in practice because I'm seeing guys go for the ball. I'm seeing guys lunge for the ball. I mentioned it uh, last week when when a ball was tipped up in the air and it just fell harmlessly to the ground and I got mad and I told Vinny, I was like, man, that's got to be a pick. That's got to go the other way. Then a couple plays later, Trayvon Merrick did that. On Wednesday, man, you want to talk about some attention to detail what I saw when it came to turnovers. And these aren't on bad passes. These are just good plays. Like Divine Diablo, I saw him lay out to intercept the ball. I saw Nate Hobbs lay out, tip the ball, and Marcus Epps came up with the interception. I saw about four interceptions on Wednesday. And again, these weren't bad passes. It was just better plays by the defense. And all the defensive players, Marcus Epps in the Raiders roundtable said, we have attention to detail. We're, our, our big emphasis this year is to get our hands on the ball. They've got to be able to do that. And the thing about it is, and I say it all the time, you could practice it, you could practice it, you could practice it. But when you get into a real game, a lot of times you just go back to your natural instincts. So if they do it now, If they're doing it in early June and they carry that over to training camp and they cover that over to preseason, I'm hoping it becomes muscle memory. Like, I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to go get 20 or they have to go get 20 interceptions, but that should be the number, right? When the the training camp opens up, there should be a number that Patrick Graham puts up on the whiteboard and says, this is what I need from you guys. Secondary, linebacker, I need this number 20 right here. I need these interceptions. Why not? What's it going to hurt, right? Why don't they have a target? Right. And I asked, I believe I asked Patrick Graham last year, was there a number of interceptions or turnovers that he's looking for his defense to create? And he said, no, there should be, because sometimes you just need to see it to try to achieve it. Right. If you see that number and say, all right, we got to get 20. And Eric Allen even told me, you know, off air that, man, we all in that room wanted to be the one that led the team. Right, because I know we had the call about it doesn't really matter if a guy doesn't lead the team or have a lot of interceptions as long as the whole team has a lot of turnovers. Yeah, but that should be some sense of pride. That should be a sense of pride where these players are like, you know what, damn it, we're going to get 20 and I'm going to lead the team with 10 or I'm going to lead the team with eight or whatever the case may be. I'm going to put everything I can into it and I'm going to be the lead dog when it comes to creating these turnovers, right? That's what Kirk Morrison and Thomas Howard used to do. When T. Howard would get one, Kirk wanted to get one. When Kirk wanted to get one, T. Howard wanted to get one. And there was games where they'd both get interceptions. And these are linebackers. I'm talking about corners. I'm talking about safeties. I'm talking about linebackers. All these guys can get their hand on the ball and create some interceptions. There needs to be, there should be a target number on the board the day they walk in. This is what we got to go do. 
I saw Trayvon Merrick make a nice play on Wednesday. The ball was a little bit high, and he went up and batted the ball down. I was hoping he'd go up there with two hands and intercept it, but he batted the ball down. He's at least making a play on the ball. I think he's got a lot of, of, of work to do this offseason to prove that he should be that guy going into his third year. I've been very high on him, but he's got a lot to prove this upcoming year. But he's got to come away with some interceptions. A guy like Chris Smith, he's going to come away with some interceptions. A guy like Ja'Korian Bennett, he plans on coming away with some interceptions. Nate Hobbs, like I said, he laid out, made a nice play, tipped that ball up, and boom, uh, Marcus Epps, a guy that had some turnovers, you know, created some turnovers for the Eagles last year on their way to the Super Bowl. He came up with the ball, took, took it the other way, right? And that's, that's what I'm liking that I'm seeing. And so when I'm out there at OTAs, it's hard to focus in on the whole team because they're on multiple different fields. They're at different angles and everything. But I'm telling you, any of those drills, 7-on-7, 11-on-11, seven seven, 11 whatever. First, I don't care if it's the first team, second team, third team. All these guys need to focus in on coming up with turnovers. And that's what it looks like they're doing. Again, it's only June. So I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to be some takeaway machine. They're going to lead the league in takeaways. I'm not saying that. I'm not even asking for that. But six interceptions total for the whole team? Come on. You know that's not acceptable. They've got to find a way to get closer to that 20 as opposed to 10. <laughs> right? I mean, they've got to get there. They've got to find a way. Like I said, incentivize it. Do what you got to do. Make it some kind of competition, right? Everyone plays better when they have competition. I feel like everyone does everything better when they have competition. So why not create it a competition? Why not say, hey, guys, this is what we have to do or we failed, right? I mean, I saw one seven-on-seven seven drill uh, where they were going up and down the field, offense versus defense, and the 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 uh, penalty if the offense didn't make it into the end zone was 50 push-ups. And the penalty for the defense if the offense did make it into the end zone was 50 push-ups. Guess what? The offense did those push-ups. And they didn't like it. But that's the kind of things you got to do. You got to provide that competition. You've got to make it, you got to make it so, hey, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do 50 push-ups. So let me, let me make sure I come up with some plays. Let me make sure that we hit our goal of 20, uh, 20 interceptions. That's got to be the number. And you hear the great Eric Allen. He had 54 career interceptions. And he was told day one, we need 20. And that got the minds right of the guys out there in the, in, in the field, in the secondary, in the linebackers, on the defensive side of the ball. See ball, get ball. The great Charles Woodson said that. So that's all I got for you as far as turnovers and the part of the OTAs and mandatory minicamp that I've been enjoying seeing. I did want to play one more soundbite from Eric Allen uh, because, again, anytime you get an opportunity to talk to Eric Allen, I think it's great. It's a guy I really, really respect. Uh, definitely appreciate any time I get to talk to him. But, you know, we had a few weeks ago when Aiden O'Connell was given the number four, uh, we had the big, you know, not dust up, but the big uh, conversation about numbers and how the Raiders don't retire numbers. And he was telling me on the Raider Roundtable, and if you watch the whole thing, you already heard this, but he was talking about how blessed he was to get the number 21 because Cliff Branch was his guy. He was so excited about that that he got that number, was able to rock it. So I asked him a question about those numbers, thinking about the conversation we had here on the podcast about Aiden O'Connell rocking number four. So here's my question and what Eric Allen had to say about the iconic numbers of the silver and black. You know, you mentioned the putting on that 21 and that that was Cliff Branch's number and how excited yeah. you were because that was your guy. This organization doesn't retire numbers, so when right. you put on a number that's iconic, like a 21, <laughs> a 24, an yes. 81, yeah. it's almost like that responsibility level's got to go up higher Absolutely. when you have that number. It, it really is, and 24 in particular. Right. 
because the great Willie Brown and Willie picked me up from the airport and uh, and I was like, how many interceptions do you have career? He's like, oh, I have 54. I was like, I'm coming to get you, Willie. I'm, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> you know, so we had great banter back yeah. and forth. But uh, to be in the building and have Phil Filippiano, Willie Brown, at that time, Freddie B was coaching, mm-hmm. uh, have those guys all come back. Of course, uh, you know, Marcus Allen, who we all in San Diego loved, knew he was such a big part of this organization. Yes, it was a big deal to right. put on 21. Think about Cliff Branch. Knew that there was fan bases, you know, around the country. When you went to town, and JT knows this, when you go into someone's town, there's a Raider contingent that is there yeah. and are representing and have the numbers on. So really, really proud that I was had the opportunity to, to, to wear the jersey. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. I know it has nothing to do with turnovers and, and getting interceptions, but just kind of the responsibility. And we talked about it uh, on the show that, you know, some of those numbers, there's a responsibility that goes with it. The 24s, the 21s, the 32s, the 34s, you know, the 81s, those iconic numbers that mean something to the silver and black, right? It just, not just anybody could rock any number. And so I th- thought that was a, a nice little nugget to hear from the great Eric Allen. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts throughout that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. This is the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and text draft that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start off with a call from Raider D in the ATX. That's Austin, Texas. He's calling to talk about Hunter Renfro and what he believes he'll be in 2023 for the Raiders. Here he is, Raider D in the ATX. Yo, Q. It's your boy D in the ATX. Raider D, that is. Yo, I just call real quick. I think my man Hunter Renfro... Is going to be this year's Josh Jacob. What do I mean by that? Last year, we were calling just Josh Jacobs out. We were saying he's going to be traded. He's playing in preseason games. It's over. He's not part of the culture, part of the team, part of the McDaniel Ziegler fit. We were all wrong. Well, this year, it's all about Hunter Renfro. We got Jimmy. We know he's got his limitations. But also, Hunter's going to be healthy hopefully, and he's going to be more integrated into the system. I think he's got more to prove. He's got some more paydays that he's got to work towards, you know, and I think he's really going to be a nice fit in this system. So I'm calling it now. This year, Hunter Renfro is the Josh Jacobs of last year, breaking some records, turning some heads, just win, baby. Raider D out. Thank you so much for the call, my man. I like the way that you're thinking. Right. I mean, again, I said it before earlier in the show, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense as far as I'm concerned for the Raiders to make a move from him Uh, right now. I think he's more valuable to the silver and black. And if you saw him in this system, this offense, we've always seen slot receivers thrive in Josh McDaniels offense. Why wouldn't Hunter Renfro do that as well? I think that they've got to give him a chance to play you know, healthy and see what he can do. So uh, I like the way that you're thinking, you know, he'll go out there and prove his worth, prove why he needs to stay with the silver and black, prove why he's so, you know, worth worthy of that roster spot. Raider D, it's great to hear from you. Thanks so much. I do appreciate you. Up next, I got a text from Raider Wally. says, good morning, Q. Raider Wally from Ohio here. I think Raider Nation is underestimating the secondary moves we made. Adding Mike Epps and Duke Shelley was huge. Duke Shelley is going to be a dude. Having Chris Ash, Chris 
Having Chris Ash as a DB coach is huge as well. He hasn't been in the NFL long, but in college he was one hell of a secondary coach, and he improved the Jags secondary in just the first year he was there. I have a lot of hope for the defense improving. I just don't believe in McDaniels. I hope I'm wrong so bad because I like other parts of the coaching staff and Dave Ziegler. A good head coach wouldn't have parted with Carr until they had a quarterback they had confidence was in the future. Anyway, have a good day, Q, and Raider Nation. That's Raider Wally from Ohio. Thanks for the text, my man. I appreciate you. Yeah, I knew uh, Chris Ash when he was at the University of Texas. He was a secondary coach there, uh, and the, that's when University of Texas had a really good defense. Uh, Chris Ash did some really good things there uh, at UT, and then he did do some good things with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I remember watching him last year with the Raiders and some of the drills that he had them going through during training camp and thought, you know what, I think he could be good. Duke Shelley was the guy that a lot of Minnesota Viking fans were mad when the Raiders signed him. They were mad that he wasn't returning to Minnesota. He's not the biggest dude, but he could play. Right, Mike Epps, or uh, Mar- it's Marcus Epps. I think Mike Epps is the uh, the comedian. Marcus Epps, he could play too. He could play, and I think he's only going to get better. And he's got a chip on his shoulder, and I think that that is really really important. So uh, thank you so much for that. We'll see. You heard me talking about in uh, in segment number two about the turnovers, and I'm hoping that some of these guys can step up and be major players in that Raider secondary. So again, appreciate the text. It's always good to hear from you. Next up, got a call from Raider Chris. He's calling to respond to John's call about what makes younger Raider fans. Well, Raider fans, here he is, Raider Chris. Hey, Q, this is Raider Chris. Just wanted to answer uh, John's question about why us younger fans are Raider fans. Uh, I was born a Raider fan. My dad had us wearing all the gear and whatnot. But the thing is, I didn't start watching football. Like you said, you, you didn't watch the Super Bowl when you were seven. Same thing happened to me. Raiders 2002 Super Bowl, I was eight. I didn't start watching football until two years later in 2004 when we were like four and 12 and 2 and 14 every year, and that's when I started watching football. And uh, I used to watch all those NFL Network uh, shows, America's Game, I think it was called, where they sh- they went back and talked to all the Super Bowl winners. And I just got, like, excited watching all the Raider ones because I was like, man, I did not know, uh, being this young, that the Raiders were so historic and good back in the 70s and 80s. And I was so like, I was born at the wrong time. I was like, man, I wish I could see those games. But now I'm, uh, 30 years old, not 20, almost 20 years of just getting beat down in two good years out of all those years where we made playoffs, but did nothing. But for me, I'm kind of jealous of these older fans because you got to see the greatness. And the thing is, you can't be bad forever. We're going to be good again eventually. I think commitment to excellence becomes road to greatness again. I, I understand most people don't want to be patient, but I had to be patient for 20 years. I didn't get a choice of, hey, I get to see the 70s Raiders win uh, two Super Bowls and one in the 80s. A lot of these people have. I haven't, so patience is all I can do. But... I understand for the older fans, you want to see it again, but a lot of the younger fans never seen it. So all we have is patience. All we can preach is patience because what else can we do? Um, great hearing your shows all the time. I love, I've been listening to this for who knows how long. Uh, go Raiders. Raider Chris out. Raider Chris, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And great breakdown. 
of why you're a fan. Really, that was good stuff. How you became a Raiders fan, and I'm with you, man. I would have loved to have been able to be back in the day and seen the Raiders when they were at their best, right? When they were winning championship after championship, right? They were the bad boys. They were awesome. They were out there, and they were ruthless and had the rivalries with certain you – know, I would love to have lived through all that and really been able to witness it firsthand like many Raider fans have. Now – I'll say, don't feel sorry for me. I've had a really good sports life, <laughs> right? I mean, I saw Michael Jordan in, in his in his uh, in his prime, right? I, I know fans are like, man, I only saw Washington Wizards Michael Jordan. I was like, ooh, I'm sorry, right? I, I saw Kobe, I saw Shaq, I saw uh, Magic Johnson and, and the uh, and the uh, uh, um, Showtime Lakers. I was about to say primetime. Showtime Lakers. I got to see all that stuff. So I, I've seen a LeBron James. LeBron James. Obviously, I've seen him and all his greatness. So I've seen a lot of really great uh, sports. Steph Curry and all his greatness been awesome. Saw the Kansas City Chiefs as much as I don't like them, seeing how great they could be in Patrick Mahomes, that, that quarterback. Like, I've seen some really good stuff. I witnessed the damn Patriots dynasty. Hated it, but witnessed it, right? So I've seen a lot of really good sports, just haven't seen it uh, benefit the Raiders yet. So I'd love to see that. That would be my probably final checklist, That would or check off on the checklist. Uh, you know, cross that box off. I'd be okay with that, but it hasn't happened just yet but thank you for that call i do appreciate you just got time for a couple more i uh, got a text from luis in oakland he said what's up q so luis from oakland love your show man a couple things do you have any, anything on josh jacobs contract and what do you think about aiden o'connell i love this kid he's down uh, with the grind i don't know if you heard about uh, him and his brother or his brother passed away earlier this year and he still went out and did his thing uh, like to know what is your thought on that situation that's all i got q have a blessed day again love your show all right then it's luis in oakland and uh, thanks so much for the text and yeah uh, Aiden O'Connell has uh, some real big adversity that he's gone through, right? Losing his brother, still going out there and balling. And, you know, I mean, it's funny that I got a text about this on my radio show on Wednesday. And I just said that, you know, there's certain people that are able to deal with adversity and go and just, you know, do do their job or focus in on something else and kind of bury their head in that and, and just get away from whatever's going on in their life. And uh, I like to do that myself. I try to do that as much as possible. Whenever something's not going right, I try to focus in on something else that I enjoy or something else that can get my mind off of it for a few hours. And really, that's what sports do in general. So uh, Aiden O'Connell, he, he's definitely been through some things. And again, he looks good at OTAs, looks good at mandatory minicamp, but it's OTAs and mandatory minicamp. So you got to wait till training camp when things really go on. And then, of course, we'll see a lot of them in the preseason. As far as Josh Jacobs, nothing on his contract situation. He has the franchise tag. He's holding it. And he hasn't signed it yet. And that's all I got. <laughs> it's just that simple. So uh, thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. Uh, let's get a call in from Raider E in the 559. He's calling to respond to the question about the reason why he's a young Raider fan. What made him? Be a Raider fan. Here he is, Raider E in the 559. What up, Q? This is Raider E from the 559. Um, first time caller. Uh, I wanted to respond to John, South LA. Uh, I loved his question. I'm 25 years old. Long story short, super, super story, long short. Um, my dad met his dad later on in life. Uh, my dad, or my grandpa was a Raider fan. My dad was a Chiefs fan. So when I was watching football, I was growing up with Trent Green, Priest Holmes, uh, Dante Hall, Tony Gonzalez, um, and uh, my grandpa was a Raider fan. So eventually, I got to meet my grandpa, create my own relationship with him. Fast forward a couple years, I think it was 2010, uh, Raiders versus Chiefs in Oakland. I've, I've only known them in Oakland this whole time, so that's home for me. Um, I believe it was Jason Campbell took threw the football about 40 yards to Jacoby Ford, and then uh, we had the best kicker in the whole NFL at that time, breathing legend uh, Sebastian Janikowski, kicked the three. You make it first in overtime, you win. 
and that's how I became a Raider fan. And he, uh, uh, it was like a bet in the beginning. Uh, my grandpa and I won, became a Raider fan ever since, stayed loyal and dedicated. So that's just my quick story of how I became a Raider fan. And, uh, and it ain't been, it, it hasn't been a beautiful road, you know, that's why I was upset about Derek Carr, um, having to get the boot because in the most dysfunctional, disabled, franchise that to me in my humble opinion that Derek Carr was the one consistent thing on on the Raiders for 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 the not past nine years you know what I mean so I agree with you wholeheartedly when you said I will die on that hill I will die on that hill with you because I solemnly believe Derek Carr is a better quarterback than uh Jimmy G but new year knew everything knew, knew everything so yeah I'm gonna ride with Jimmy G see what he's got give him a chance right you know but that was a that, that that was my quick little story um, about how I became a Raider fan, and I think the reason why my dad stayed a Chiefs fan is because he I believe he said Joe Montana retired with the Chiefs. Uh, I'm not sure how that really goes. I don't watch Niner football or Chiefs football like that anymore. But um, yeah, other than that, love what you do for the show, Raider Nation. Peace out. Raiders. Thank you so much, Raider E, for the call. Appreciate you. And that's a that's a great building moment with your grandpa, right? And the way you became a fan, that's really cool. I think everyone has a story. And, and like I said the other day, I felt like most of it came from the family, right? I know that's why my son is a, is a Raider fan. And I know that's why my older son, Kimani, was a Raider fan. was because of me, you know, because, well, dad's a Raider fan. We're Raider fans. And, and that's usually how it is. And, you know, they could always it could always – kind of roll off of that as well, just like yours did. And your dad was a Chiefs fan. And, yeah, Joe, Joe Montana, uh, speaking of the Chiefs, he had a really nice run with the Chiefs. Matter of fact, they put him in the the uh, ring of honor. I was kind of surprised they did that. I know he did some really good things. Obviously, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I didn't think he was ring of honor worthy for the Chiefs, but that's just me. You know, I know the Raiders, they, they all claim anyone who's in the Hall of Fame that's ever played for them. All right? I mean, that's that's a Raider Hall of Famer, regardless if they spent the majority of their career somewhere else and then just played there for, a, 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 a you know, a cup of coffee or a, a year or two, they'll claim. And that's what every team does. So uh, I guess it's, it's okay that they put him in the ring of honor, even though I thought it was kind of weird. So Raider E, thanks so much for that, uh, that call. I definitely appreciate you. And that's all I got time for on today's show. So we'll get back to some text and calls on tomorrow's show. We'll have more news and notes. Final day of mandatory minicamp. And, of course, we'll have plenty of conversation as well here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. So until tomorrow, Raider Nation, as we close out the week really strong, take care of yourself, take care of your family, love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby.